0: Welcome to this Steady Hand quarterly podcast. I'm Scott Ronalds joined today with Tom Bradley. Before we get started, we got some news on the home front to report. As some of you may know, we're celebrating our fifth anniversary this month at Steady Hand and we're marking the occasion with a five part blog series that takes you inside the tent and gives you a feel for how we run the business, as well as a few additional features on our website. We also have five year performance numbers now and that will be the focus of this podcast. Another big piece of news is that we've launched a new fund, the Founders Fund. It's the first new fund we've launched in our five-year history, and it's essentially a fund of funds, meaning that it invests in our other five income and equity funds. The all-in fee for the fund is 1.34%, and the asset mix is managed by Tom. Clients have been asking us for a fund that does it all, meaning security selection and asset allocation, and we feel that the Founders Fund accomplishes this. What's also new, Scott, is that we've had really a very busy RSV season at
1: Steady Hand. I think we've added 200 new clients in the first quarter. Assets under management have grown about 15% to 165 million and, and really still seeing a very robust transfer file of new clients coming in the door. So we're really delighted with the reaction we're getting from new clients as we come up to the five-year mark. Also off to a good start in 2012 are the markets. Uh, stocks have been up, the Canadian market up about 4%, whereas the world market and the U.S. market were up about 10 And this has been driven by technology and financial stocks primarily, and uh, commodities, which have weighed on the Canadian market, have been weak. As for bonds, the real star last year, we saw interest rates edge up a little in the first quarter, not unexpected after them dec- the big decline they had last year and that resulted in the overall bond market providing just a slightly negative result for the, for the quarter, but nothing to, to be too uh, worked up about. So as we go forward in this podcast and review the different funds, we're going to keep our focus very firmly planted on the long term, and particularly look at five-year performance. Scott, do you want to lead it off with the income fund?
0: The fund has produced an annual compound return of 6.6% over the five years ending March 31st. Now, in comparison, the Canadian bond market, or the DEX Universe Bond Index, is up 6.1%, and the TSX is up 1.7%. Now, as most of you know, the fund is roughly three-quarters bonds and one-quarter dividend-paying stocks, and if you comprised a benchmark with this same allocation, it would be up about 5% over that five-year period. So the income fund is running nicely ahead of a comparable benchmark. Now, if we break down the fund into its two components, bonds and stocks, both have performed well. Now, let me start with bonds. The fund has had an emphasis on corporates since its inception. Now, this positioning hurt returns during the credit crisis in 2008, but was a key contributor to performance over the past three years. The manager of the fund, Connor Clark & Lunn has favored bonds issued by financial companies since day one, and these are banks and insurance companies. Good security selection in these sectors has helped performance, as has their investments in U.S. high-yield bonds, which at times have comprised a meaningful weight in the fund over the past five years. Turning to income equities, the returns from stocks haven't been as volatile as the overall market, but they have bounced around from quarter to quarter. Now, that said, the fund's income equities have provided an annualized return of close to 10% over the five years. Remarkably, they've performed better than bonds in an environment where investors have favored security over risk. Good security selection and an emphasis on stocks with growing dividends have been key factors for that strong performance, and a meaningful weighting in real estate investment trusts, or REITs, has also been beneficial. Now, looking ahead... CCNL feels that interest rates are still too low and corporate bonds offer much better value than federal government bonds. And as a reflection of this, the fund's fixed income holdings are concentrated in corporates and as a group, the fund's bonds are also shorter term in maturity and are positioned for an increase in interest rates. Close to 30 percent of the fund is invested in income equities and the manager likes the prospects for companies that have strong balance sheets and can grow their dividend. Tom, over to you for the equity fund. Well, Scott, while
1: we expect the equity fund to beat the income fund over the long term, it certainly didn't in our first five years. It had a compound return of 0.4% over the five years ending March 31st. Now, of course, this was a period when the markets were very volatile and generally weak. The Canadian market, as represented by the S&P TSX composite, was up just 1.7%, and the World Index... Was actually down three percent over the same period. So if we do like you did on the income fund and calculate a benchmark that reflects the long-term composition of the equity fund—roughly sixty percent Canadian stocks, forty percent foreign—that benchmark would have been down zero point two percent. So, so the funds beat someone who's tried to index this same type of asset mix. It's beat a majority of its competition, but clearly a. Uh, an absolute return just slightly above zero is not satisfactory. Now, since its inception, the fund has had a focus on high-quality companies, and that means companies with strong balance sheets, reliable cash flows, and a leading market share in their business sector. These have tended to be consumer and industrial companies, although, as many of you know, we've pretty consistently owned some leading energy companies as well. The fund held up better than the market during the financial crisis, but that quality emphasis led to it lagging during the rebound period of 2009 and 2010, particularly when cyclical and commodity-related stocks were in favour. More recently, though, and I'm going back more than a year now, the fund has performed considerably better than the Canadian market. As a result of that high-quality bias clicking in finally, and it's foreign investments. You know, after years of trailing Canadian stocks, the, the U.S. and overseas investments have turned in some strong results recently. The manager of the fund, CGOV Asset Management, has made some timely investments in companies like Asia Pacific Breweries, Lincoln Electric, and Mead Johnson. Over the course of five years, the turnover in the portfolio has been low, although CGOV is certainly taken advantage of some of the big swings in the market to trade around core positions. they made some profitable moves buying on weakness and trimming on strength in holdings that they know exceptionally well and have a good sense of value. Now, we've reported pretty consistently on two companies that have hurt the fund's performance over the period. I'm speaking of Research in Motion and Manulife, and as we also reported, those were sold late last year. Now, the fund's focus going forward will remain on high-quality companies. And like the income fund, it will favor businesses that have the ability to grow their dividend. Scott,
0: how about the global side? The Global Equity Fund has produced an annual compound return of 5.6% over the five years ending March 31st. And the MSCI World Index is down 3% over the same period. The fund has performed poorly for a few reasons. First and foremost, global markets have been just plain weak. And admittedly, the manager of the fund, Edinburgh Partners, held too many financial companies prior to the credit crisis and wasn't quick enough to move on from some holdings that had deteriorating outlooks. Another factor was that Edinburgh Partners started to meaningfully increase exposure to Japanese companies in the months before the earthquake. Also, they've avoided companies with high growth projections that are operating at peak and in what they feel to be unsustainable margins. And these types of businesses have been the top performers over the past few years. And finally, the manager hasn't shied away from Europe, which is, as we all know, a region that has been plagued by debt crises and poor sentiment over the past several quarters. It hasn't all been bad, however, The portfolio rebounded sharply in 2009 after Edinburgh Partners made some good investments in the emerging markets and select technology stocks. And more recently, the fund's Japanese and European investments have shown signs of a turnaround. Now looking ahead, the manager isn't wavering on their positioning. The fund has a pronounced value bias. In other words, a focus on companies with low price-to-earnings multiples, low price-to-book value ratios, and higher dividend yields. And while we haven't been happy with the fund's returns, we are pleased to see that the manager isn't shifting from their philosophy or approach. It hasn't delivered results in the short term, but they have proven that it works over the longer term.
1: Now, The Small Cap Fund has produced some excellent results and contributed to our clients' portfolio returns. It had an annual compound return of 6.7% over the five years ending March, and that compares to the BMO small-cap index, of up, which was up just under 3% over the same period. Now, as a reminder to listeners, this fund is positioned much differently than the small-cap market overall, uh, which has a heavy emphasis on resource stocks and junior companies with erratic profits. The manager, Will Witherich, looks for businesses that have more stable revenues and financing sources, He often finds these in industrial and consumer sectors, although he has made some good money in technology and oil and gas as well. In generating the returns that it has, the small cap fund has been considerably less volatile than other funds of this type. It's lagged in hot markets to be sure, but has held up much better in weak markets. In 2009 and 2010, when small gold and mining stocks were skyrocketing, The fund was up nicely, but was well behind small caps in general. But since then, it has performed admirably at a time when commodity stocks have been weak. Looking ahead, Will likes the composition of the fund and feels there's still great opportunities in small cap land. He's been nibbling on a few micro cap companies. These are small, kind of under the radar stocks that uh, not many people know about. But he's also keeping the portfolio tightly concentrated. It currently owns 17 stocks. So, Scott, maybe to bring the fund reviews to a conclusion, let me just touch on the Founders Fund, which you mentioned earlier. As you said, it invests in the other funds that we've just reviewed and uh, very much reflects my views on markets and valuations. So as it sits today, it's holding some extra cash, roughly 10 to 11%. And really, uh, that's because there's certainly lots of uncertainties out there. The debt crisis is a long way from being over. I guess that's the first reason. And the second reason is that we don't like bonds very much. We think that interest rates are not reflective of long-term fundamentals. And indeed, the current yields on government bonds aren't even offsetting inflation. Now, as for equities, we're running with a full allocation, 60%, or maybe even a little bit more, And that uh, allocation is tilted towards foreign equities. We just think valuations in the foreign markets, as we've talked about earlier, are more attractive than what we can find in Canada. And I should say that the foreign content of the Founders Fund comes from all three equity funds, although the Global Fund clearly is the the biggest factor there. In future quarterly reports and podcasts, we'll have a, a, a more fulsome review of Founders Fund, but it's just been running for a month and a half. Well, Scott, in concluding today's podcast, I just want to thank all of our listeners. Uh, Those of you, whether you're clients or not, have shown a great interest in Steady Hand, and we appreciate that. It's what keeps us going, and uh, be assured that we're going to keep coming at you over the next five years. So until next time, thanks again for listening to this Steady Hand podcast.